0: I am Satya Suntanam from the Business Lines Research Bureau. This podcast is an attempt to provide answers to some questions regarding the index funds, ETFs and thematic funds. Index funds invests in stocks or securities that are part of the underlying index in the same proportion as they are in the index. For example, if Infosys has 7% weight in the Nifty 50 index, a Nifty 50 index fund also invests about 7% of the portfolio in Infosys. As there is no active management by the fund manager in these funds, index funds fall under passive investing. ETFs or exchange traded funds are also passively managed mutual funds with the same style of investing as that of index funds, but trades on BSE and NSE like equity shares. Then we have thematic funds that invest in a particular theme or a sector. To learn more about these categories and the suitability of active or passively managed funds for investors, we catch up with Radhika Gupta, MD and Chief Executive Officer, Edelweiss AMC. Radhika Gupta is an asset management professional with experience across asset classes and investor segments. Uh, Talking about index funds and ETFs, there is always a
1: comparison between active versus passive investing given the underperformance of many funds, especially large caps, vis-a-vis benchmarks. So my question is, to what kind of investors do you think passive investing is suited? And what are the factors that investors should keep in mind while parking money in passive funds and while choosing the fund category and the fund house? So I think, Satya, there is a lot of debate on this whole active versus passive space. And quite frankly, I don't think that debate is so important. You know, these words like active versus passive, these are mutual fund industry words, and they're good academic debate words. But I think for an investor, what matters is that the product is a good product and that they're getting value for the fees that they are paying. I think investors only have to look at this. There are good active products, there are bad active products, there are good passive products, there are bad passive products. I think each product should be evaluated on its merits. And it's also sometimes a myth that I will take less risk if I buy a passive product. If you're buying an equity product, whether it's active or passive, you are buying equity. So your behavior in terms of being a good long-term investor, in terms of handling volatility, none of that goes away. So I wanted to start by saying that. Now, in terms of passive products, I think you have to really look category by category. Um there are when do you choose passive products you choose passive products when you believe that it is unlikely that an active product will generate material alpha over the benchmark since i don't need to pay high fees or when a passive product is doing something giving you access to something that an active product is not these are the two circumstances and the two kinds of investors who would choose a passive product so for instance, you alluded to the fact that maybe in the large cap space and it's always hotel a passive product may have an edge. However, in the mid cap space, it is my belief at least that an active product will have an edge. In something something like the thematic space, which is a very narrow space, a passive product yes. may have an edge over an active product. Sometimes a passive product may also be able to do things like it can give you exposure to global securities that most active products do not do because as an active manager, there's a lot of work to research global securities, but as a passive investor, you just have to buy a version the index. So I think it is really a very nuanced discussion and people have to think about where they're getting value for money and what is a good product. Okay, fine. And how important is uh, looking at tracking errors when investing in index funds? It is important. You can't take away the uh, element of tracking error and we run a very large passive business in Bharat Bond and we've often answered these questions. But also remember that when you're looking at tracking error versus an index, you know, it's not going to replicate it perfectly. There will be some element of tracking error. What you want is that it should not be very large. So, for instance, in a debt fund, if there's 25, 30, 40 basis points of tracking error, on in an equity fund, there's some tracking error after taking account fees. It's not a very big deal. You can't have 5 6% tracking error per year in an equity fund. That becomes very, very large. So, I think it's important, but you should not be obsessive about it. Now, uh, what do you think is the optimal allocation for passive investments and active investments in one specific year? I don't think there's a right answer as uh, to what should be a passive versus active split. Both are ways of providing a solution. It's like if I wanted to hold equities, I could either buy yes. stock directly or I could hold a Nifty index fund or I could hold a large cap mutual fund or I could hold a PMS. And whatever I choose, yes. I'm still holding equities. So I should think of allocations asset class wise. And then whether I choose to buy that asset class passively or actively, then I decide. I don't think your asset allocation should be split into passive or active. I think it should be split into equity and debt and international equities and sectoral funds. And then within that, you decide what is the best way to do it. It's like once I decide that my meal is going to have some amount of dairy, some amount of carbs, some amount of vegetables, then I'll decide which vegetable I'm going to eat. Now, whether I'm going to get that vegetable by eating out or eating at home, that has to decide. Okay, okay. Right, uh, now, in which fund uh, categories is uh, active investing better and in which is passive investing better? So while it's uh, hard to, you know, put, uh, you know, sort of sticks in the sand, I'll give you some perspective on a few categories where I think uh, both would have uh, relevance and some categories which I think are ambiguous. Um, on the active side, I think uh, mid and small caps, uh is a category of, where I think there is substantial alpha generation. Uh, and I think active managers definitely have an edge there. Uh, that could be true in multi-cap, but multi-cap I think is more ambiguous. But my view is that definitely mid- and small cap and mostly uh, the multi-cap categories, wherever there is a component of mid- and small that is significant, you will have scope for alpha generation. Uh, I think on the fixed income side, however, if you're looking at very simple interest rate products, Actually, most fixed income funds don't beat the benchmark. So, I think passive investing can play a very important role there. Passive investing can also play a very important role in fixed income because it lowers costs and we are in a low interest rate environment. So, nobody wants to pay
2: costs. The 50 bits also pinches an investor. Investors worry about low liquidity in most ETFs. Uh, how big is this issue and what do you suggest to investors? Well, I think there's an ETF specific issue out there.
1: Uh, there are ETFs that are quite liquid, uh, including some of, for instance, we run the Bharat Bond series. There, there is liquidity. I think investors have to evaluate the liquidity of each individual ETF. Okay. Also, there is a second product that is passive-like ETF, but does not have the liquidity challenges that are sometimes perceived with ETF. This is called an index fund. Okay. Index funds are basically mutual funds that track an index, just like ETFs are like, the in trade the index the Index fund the purchase and sale is at any rate, and you don't need a demat account. So if you're looking at a category where the you are worried about liquidity, the better thing, for instance, if you're looking at a banking ETF, you're worried about liquidity, you can also look at a banking index fund. And there then you don't need to worry about liquidity, which is why we think for retail investors, index fund is a better
2: solution than ETF. Okay. Okay. Can you give us a color on what volume can be considered as a uh, reasonable or, uh, you know, uh, good enough uh, of volume and liquidity?
1: So, this is a little tricky to tell you, but I think in terms of liquidity, we should look at the exit cost of an ETF, right? Now, in a debt ETF, for instance, if I my exit cost is 5 to 7, 8 basis points, that's pretty good in my opinion. If it is 1%, and my returns are 7-8%, then it is a real problem. So, I think 5-10 to 10 basis points of cost is not a bad cost at all. And so, if that's the kind of impact cost, if there's an ecosystem, if there's market making, then I think investors are good. The ETF should be trading a couple of crores of volume in the Indian context. That's not great liquidity in a global context. Okay. But in the Indian context, that's the kind of
2: liquidity we need to take. Okay, understood. Now, should investors go for ETFs? or index funds, how should investors select?
1: So, look, I don't want to say one versus the other. I think for retail investors, index fund is a very easy solution. Uh, sometimes, price is a little more than the ETF, but there is no worry about exit cost. Liquidity is very simple, and you get a great variety of products. I think for larger institutional investors, ETF becomes a little more cost-effective. Also, investors need to have a DMAT account for an ETF.
2: Okay, you know, talking about the thematic funds, how should one assess if a particular thematic fund suits them? You know, uh, does investors require to have a proper understanding of the sector or theme before getting into a thematic fund? Absolutely, you have to have an understanding of the theme, you have to understand the sector and most importantly,
1: you have to know two things. One is that the sector can't be very tactical, it has to be very structural, it has to be a long-term sector because... It is equity investing, it has to be done for the long term, and the sector has to be structurally a strong term. The second thing that is very, very important is that when you think about it, you have to make for sure where it fits in your asset allocation. So, you know, it's obviously a sector can't be 50% of your asset allocation, but can it be 5 to 10% of your asset allocation? It definitely can be. Uh, so now, talking about the long-term approach and all. Uh, so, shouldn't past returns uh, be less of a factor in making a decision to invest in thematic sector funds? Shouldn't investors focus more on valuations and future potential? I mean, absolutely. I think past returns should not be a big decision-making factor in any category of investing. Definitely not okay. in the thematic sector funds because seems Sometimes run in cycles, at least some themes do. I think you know, in general, as an industry, we use the past return and one-year return statistic too much to drive our investment into themes. I think again, I would reiterate: you have to look at themes that are not one-year themes. You have to look at the future potential and the five-year opportunity in a theme. And you know, mm. you're not going to get the timing of a theme perfectly right. Please also remember that. But if you find a yeah. theme with potential, and if you can get it at a reasonable point in the cycle, then I think you can take a small allocation to it. But don't invest just because it's done well over the last year. Understand? Yeah. Now, talking about timing, we we'll hear timing again that entering and exiting the thematic fund at the right time is very important. Now, what parameters should investors look out for to make the decision? I I disagree a little here. I think that we obsess over timing too much. I think, you know, when you are trying to do thematic things that are very, very cyclical, then this matter of entering and exit, etc. becomes very important. Mm. I mean, if you wanted to do tactical things, then you can do them. But I think our approach should be to buy things for the long term. Ultimately, themes are equity and equity is a long-term asset class, and you should look at themes that are long-term and structural in nature. If you're buying for less than three to five years, I don't think you should do thematic investing. Of course, there are parameters to look out for. I think when you're looking at a scheme, if the valuations are compelling in the theme, if it hasn't done very well over a long cycle, uh, and there are uh, you know, sort of catalyst for a turnaround in the theme, for instance, the way we are talking about in healthcare today. today, uh, then I think you can yeah. look the theme. But I think investors should not over obsess over everything and interest. Uh, now, when we talked about uh, passive investing and also thematic uh, funds, uh, which involves active investment, where does this thematic index conflict? So I think thematic index funds is an interesting concept. Uh, People are interested in investing in teams. Investing in teams in itself is a pretty active call and if you look at teams, you know, the universe for most themes is not very large. So there are beliefs that why not take a passive approach to this. If I decided I want to do consumption or healthcare or financial services, these are all structural themes, then can I just mm. do this with a passive approach? A passive approach brings a few things. One, it brings tremendous transparency and you can get these teams at a much lower cost than an active fund. The second is mm-hmm. you know that your thematic fund is absolutely true to label. It's not going to use a 20% steady discretion to invest outside the theme. For instance, in a healthcare fund, in a passive fund, you'll never find insurance exposure, which you will in an active fund. And actually insurance is a financial services uh Profile uh, stock, not a healthcare profile stock. So you will get very true to label exposure. Some kind of the schematic approach, which I said earlier in the interview, you can also add and make the theme more complete. Because when you are mm. being passive, then you don't need to worry about having a research desk in the US or a research desk in China. Again, I give the example of healthcare. It's a theme that is actually an Indian and global team. It is incomplete without global exposure because all the innovation the large number of patent filings, all that happens actually globally. Uh, it doesn't happen in India. The US is the largest spender on healthcare. So a passive approach can actually make the scheme a lot more complete because you have global exposure and you have India exposure. So there are two-three things that a passive or index fund approach can bring to thematic investing. True-to-level, completeness and global exposure, and very, very low cost structure. Yeah, that's from our side, ma'am. And uh, I'm sure you can have uh, clear some of uh, our legal doubts about ETFs, index, and thematic funds. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. <laughs>